0: Veronica, this is a professional operation.
1: Oh, I just wanted to get these uh, really loud, crunchy Doritos while I still have a chance.
0: Veronica, I don't mean to say this, but it's a little unladylike (laughs) of this Doritos here. Boy, I love the taste of snacking. I just wish there was a more dainty option for me.
1: (laughs) You know, when I want to sneak a snack from my purse. These
0: snacks are unbecoming of my station.
1: Okay, well, that was really the only reason that I wanted to crunch a chip in there oh, for you. How topical. Just so people would know how uh, how irreverent I am to other people's. Yeah, that's that
0: door rattling. I don't know what to do about that.
1: Snackins.
0: How's it going, Veronica? Did anything notable happen today? Oh, by the way, welcome to Podcat Podcast, the premier podcast of the Podcat Podcast Network. I am one of your co cats. My name is Sammy B in The Place to Be. I'm joined, as always, by Veronica.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: Now look, those pleasantries are out of the way with. How's your day been? Anything of note happened? happen?
1: Well, it's been really great. It's so interesting that you always call me Veronica and not Veronica B or Veronica E or Veronica EB, you know, uh-huh. all of those things. Uh, my, our daughter had a, a lovely friend over for watching television and hanging out on the Sunday afternoon. Then I'm in the kitchen all day and and she's like, Mrs. V. <laughs> I was like, "Yes," which I prefer to be called Miss V or Mrs. V. I do oh, not like anything else.
0: You're like a comic book character, in that you have such like an alias, sort of a name.
1: I suppose. Uh, so, anyway, she's like, "I cannot keep up with your mom's last names," <laughs> and Eden was like, "Well, you better. She'll set you straight." <laughs> cracked me up how cute And she's like i just know your mom to have like so many names i'm like well
0: no you just need to ask
1: yeah ask yeah and i've already told you to call me miss v yes all the time (laughs) absolutely so in any event other than that i did a little cooking today and i watched the new star trek discovery yes
0: the season finale (laughs) 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 oh (laughs) What did you think of the season one of Star Trek Discovery?
1: I loved it. It's probably one of the best seasons of television I have ever watched.
0: You know, go ahead.
1: Um, I don't think that there has been a more satisfying end to a season for me than the ending of the first season of House of Cards Mm. uh, with the train and everything. I was just like, what is happening? (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) But um, yeah, it was very good. I, I... I love that Star Trek really does tie things up in a bow. Mm -hmm. And I think that was very fun and I enjoy it completely. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a show that needs to leave you with like a, oh there are lingering questions about everything no no let us have our happy ending and yes. they gave it to us and i was very happy with that
0: absolutely spoilers we should say for season one of star Trek <laughs> <Yeah>. discovery
1: <laughs> maybe we should title this um
0: spoiler like all cap and this is the first <laughs> spoiler thing spoiler alert <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're cute yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: I like that you said favorite season because I think that this has been the most album release of the mm-hmm. show, Star Trek, that there has ever been, ever. Yeah. It's, it's not a single. It's not an EP. It's like, this is a studio album and demands to be experienced as such. I
1: agree. It was um, it was very much like, a, oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking on the album name, but Beyoncé's album. Lemonade. Lemonade. Yeah. It was, in a sense, so much of what I experienced listening to the Lemonade album. Yeah. Which, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but when we first bought the Lemonade album... I was like, "Oh my gosh, I haven't heard an album like this in a long time because I will often buy a full album because I've always enjoyed listening track one to the end because there are so many really great themes and, you know, artists really put a lot into like putting you in the mood at the end of track 4 to go into track 5 or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and you lose a lot of that when you're only listening to the singles and things like that. And so with uh, Beyoncé's album Lemonade, I was just like, "Oh man, this is an excellent album it's perfect um and it was accompanied by a long ass movie yeah so that was really good
0: yeah and and like lemonade where each episode is a very different flavor or outlook is pontificating on a, a course set of themes mm-hmm. like sort of come up again and and yes. really resonates on them in, in different ways i think the season sort of did that and really well, focused on trek themes like Stripped down to its core in a way that was just so beautiful.
1: I think that the thing that Lemonade and Star Trek Discovery have in common is that they both agree on one fact: buttered Pop Tarts are the best. <laughs> <laughs> you get right the heck out of here, <laughs> JK. JK. Okay, so let's legit talk about this episode yeah. of Star Trek Discovery. It was good. I really avoid spoilers on things that I really like a yes. lot. So, um, I don't watch... I mean, I'm sure if you're a listener of the show, um, I do not watch fucking trailers for... Anything. Anything. Um, especially Star Wars, for sure. Um, so even in, you know, the theater or whatever, I will... Zone the fuck out. Cannot hear. Cannot see. Yeah, what is she'll happening. get her a thousand yard stare. And yeah, she might
0: even be looking at the screen, but just blankly Blinkly. glazed over, just not watching it. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's really weird. Doesn't like, look like anything to me. Exactly. It's <laughs> the same thing with Taylor Swift movie, uh w- songs. songs. Yeah, I don't feel like I've ever heard a single song she's ever done. But <laughs> I just and completely yet there's such sort of a out. thing where
0: people try to put on Taylor Swift music around you to get a rise out of you, and they never do because you're always just like, I don't know what this yeah. is. It's just, my brain
1: shuts down. <laughs> just have
0: a blind spot towards it. Can't hear, won't hear. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, so I, we finished the episode, and I was just like, "Oh man, how exciting! I'm so excited for the next episode." And you love me so much that you want that to be true for me, yes. and you're like, "Yes, I want you to have that." And then you let me down, nice and gentle. Uh-huh. Uh, That was the last episode, and I've known that for quite some
0: time, uh, and and never told you that or like led you to believe that. You never said you had to watch it and to talk about anything like that because I know how much you don't like spoilers. You don't want that to color your experience of it.
1: Yeah. So uh, I was fully prepared to have a uh, 22 to 24 episode arc of Star Trek Discovery, and lo and behold. CBS done me wrong. Yeah. It only bought 15 fucking episodes. Yeah.
0: Fortunately, season two is well underway, but yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, we'll see. It's happening. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm happy. I just want it to be more episodes. I but as long as they're good quality episodes, I should say. Yes. Okay. This so, is... what did you like about. Okay. So tell me two things that you liked and one thing that you disliked about this episode of Star Trek Discovery.
0: I love how they're so true to character for everyone for the entire time. Nothing ever portrayed it. Like, for example, the Empress or Emperor, excuse me. Mm -hmm. I like that she gives everyone the courtesy of not having conflicted feelings. But mm-hmm. being such a villain kind of that is a kindness that she is doing to those people and I know no one sees it like that when she's being yeah. awful to them but she is helping them not be conflicted and when she kind of talks about doing things for Burnham and it's like setting things right in the world for Burnham I kind of read a little bit more into that than the show the show kind of glosses over that and Burnham doesn't believe that because but there's, Burnham shouldn't believe that. She should be very guarded and not really believe anything that this person's saying. This is a This is a very tense situation. But I kind of see that as a bit of her motivation for some of her actions. Mm. Of course, everything is very self-serving. But one of the self-serving things about her is that she chose to have a daughter at one point. That was a very important thing to her in the past. And that it tends to please her to have things go a, a, a certain way for that person. Or for her to watch that person live a certain sort of life. Mm-hmm. And so I do see that as a bit of a character motivation to her. And I thought that was so interesting how, yeah, she's going to continue to be the rogue. But she was doing everyone the courtesy of giving them a bad breakup. So they can get over the over the relationship faster.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I thought it was really interesting. Um, I... I had struggled with the concept of the mirror universe and having feelings for that mirror person for most of the season, right? Mm -hmm. Or I guess most of the season where we knew it was actually happening. Um, but one of the things that was really like, ugh, you know, for me was to put yourself in the shoes of the emperor as Burnham has the, uh, the weapon to her chest. Yeah. And so I was just like, oh yeah, if that were one of my children or even someone that looked exactly like one of my children, but was awful, I wouldn't be able to, to kill them. Yeah. No way, no how. Uh-huh. You know, that's just... A, a horrible thought to have but that was the first time that I had really kind of like allowed myself to feel guess, feel like and, a yeah. newer person mm-hmm.
0: uh-huh. I love the coming full circle on some like season long arcs that are like really looking into who you are and who we are as, as Starfleet as Federation mm-hmm. as people with those ideals so she talks about her first mutiny as being because she believes that principles are disposable in a time of war yeah. and her second mutiny because she realizes that that you know, that that's not the case. It's a mutiny for the principal and everything the second time around. Yeah. Which is is such a gorgeous conclusion. I love the the woman power of the season as it comes to the end. So we see a lot of powerful female characters kind of have everything ripped away from them and Mm be put into less powerful roles than we first knew them to be capable of. And that's such a hurtful thing that television, especially old television, uh, can do. And they'll they'll just leave them in those roles and we'll know their potential, but they'll be very squandered for the sake of other male characters in the show. Mm -hmm. But this is a show that does not do that. It goes through the motions of that in a very painful way but in the end, the, the people are who we know them to be and what they know to be careful of. And the world responds to them as such. And so the ascension of, like, Laurel, for example, to power as the most capable person with a vision of, of what what it means to be Klingon mm-hmm. was, was a great end to that. Even though we do not shy away from the fact that she's a murdering, uh, intense person like so many of the Klingons are.
1: The, she, she's, a res, a, a zealot, but she's a religious, religious is... zealot. She's a religious
0: zealot. But like, even dark characters get the dignity of sort of personhood mm-hmm. in this show yes. that sh- a lesser show would not be able to grapple with as complexly as mm-hmm. we do with Laurel.
1: So okay, so those are two of the things that you liked. What was one thing you disliked? about Well, this the
0: next thing that I liked because I can't pick. No, is the no, no, no. Canon choices like on Kronos and everything. So we've never explicitly seen a whole bunch of Trill and a whole bunch of Orions on Kronos, but we've known from extended canon that, that that's probably the case. And the Trill are all throughout the galaxy, and the Trill have a close relationship with the Klingons in kind of a weird way. Uh, although the Trill are a Federation uh, uh, species, but like. The Trill are everywhere on the, over the galaxy. And they, are, they have the most diverse points of view. We tend to think of humans as having diverse points of view. No, 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 no. <laughs> Trill are the people who could be anyone, be a part of any society. So seeing a whole bunch of Trill in kind of the vagrant city of Kronos and uh, the Orions there and the way they ran the city and everything like that was such a perfect canon choice. And it's how I've always imagined some of the small Australian towns on Kronos. like I've seen that city before, from my understanding of, of thing, and to see that coming to, to life on the screen with that was really cool. I like how the Enterprise, I like how they have variants of the Constitution class, which makes a lot of sense because it's kind of a world where we're seeing a lot of variants of ships, and if you look at some original series canon where some things are depicted differently, a way to interpret that is there's variants of ships. So we see the Defiant, and it's like a very particular way. We see the Enterprise, and it looks different, and I like how there's variants of those Constitution classes. I think it's a cool choice. Some people are going to be weird about the Enterprise not looking like the Enterprise, but I like it. There's actually a model ship that they're going with. It's called the Excalibur, um, kind of class of ship. It's a it's a ship that's in some extended canon. It's it's in um it's very famous in Star Trek Online, so you might have seen it there. And it's not exactly the Excalibur um, that they have, but they, they they that's definitely the artistic direction that they're going. And the Excalibur reconciles like next-gen era blue nacelles of the red tips and everything like that with original series and like if we were to see something in the next-gen era like I see original ship with like next-gen um sort of vision of Federation how would it look and they do that with, with that which I think is is great everything that have is a, is a reference to something that's been in the extended universe of it but like isn't necessary to watch and enjoy it because it's about the principles but it was just so reverential of, of canon in a way that was really fun
1: and, finally, uh-huh. what was one thing you disliked? Now that you've taken all of our time I'm talking about four things that you liked when I had asked you for two. It's just trying. I am the Klingon in this relationship, I've just <laughs> realized. Like, listen. What I dislike? Um, so,
0: having Orion's is fun. I'd like to see them... I like how we saw a diverse group of Orions compared to what we usually did. They still weren't diverse. But, like, I, I do think that we do need to see more diverse Orions because they they've always so two-dimensional and and kind of, like, exploitative as now, now we see them. And yeah. I, I would not like that to be the face of an entire culture for forever. We
1: are slaves or slavers or arms dealers. Or interested in sex all the time. Yeah. Or, like, super
0: into drugs. Uh, yeah. But, like
1: what was that actor's name who was super into drugs you know he's in like so many things I don't remember
0: I did like him though
1: yeah he is one of the characters that really annoys me all the or I guess an actor whose face is so annoying to me Mm. or not annoying it's so recognizable to me but I can never remember his fucking name and it's so annoying to I
0: like me. the idea of a middle-aged, not totally at the top of his game, not totally suave or strong or, mm-hmm. or, or sexy or something, or Ryan, who's just kind of getting by. <laughs> like, we yeah. never we never see that. So that's kind of a really fun face to see the culture through. Because like it's never been seen before. And that's really interesting.
1: One of the things that I thought was so funny was when he was uh, cutting off the, uh, well, what we found out was not the drone, um, from Tilly. And he was just like, what i'm orion yeah. <laughs> in my mind i thought like what if you woke up and someone was just snacking on your sandwich and they're like what i'm orion <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: a so, very funny mental image
1: i just think like from now on anytime you snitch something off of my plate you <laughs> need to be like what I'm orion. i wrote i wrote a long orion arc <laughs> that i just
0: started and had uh-huh. when i when i kind of Stepped away because there was a bunch of life uh, circumstances they wanted to deal with before coming back to an ideological, but like it was supposed to be a pontification of poverty like, mm. in this world, which I think is because so much of, of what it is to choose your own destiny has been stripped from these people in yeah. kind of a, a cruel and dehumanizing way. Um, but I really want to see that, and I think that I think the discovery could do that. I just don't think we got the face time to, like, to, to see a character like that. But I'd be, I'd be interested to kind of see some more humanity. That I don't blame them for just being on the rogue planet for a second in a very seedy part of the planet and happen to see a lot of very seedy-looking Orions. I know it's always a set dressing, but I'd love to see them dealt with a little bit more humanity or see a character that's actually, like, a character with believable innovation and everything, too. Yeah. With that, too. But I did like that they were there on this the world of Kronos, because that makes so much sense to, like, this Klingon. Klingon canon when i played star trek online uh and i really loved it i made a cleon character i made an Orion who started on chronos and that's a tough thing to do right yeah and he's like suppose. brutally well,
1: really into dark souls so i can just imagine that you're like i'd like I to play this game hard. in the hardest way
0: but i brutally fought my way to captain of like my ship and uh, and I got a crew very loyal. I was sort of like... Explain
1: to me, um, Star Trek Online, I don't know what you're talking about. I assume that it's an MMO? Yes. And what year did it come out? Uh,
0: Like 2009.
1: Okay, so it's, it's been a running shitty continuous. MMO. Got it's, it. just it's pretty updated. JK, JK, JK.
0: They very lovingly do it. They get a lot of original voice actors. They do some really creative arcs. And they That's bring on a lot of writers.
1: What did you think about Cornwell in this one?
0: Yeah, so it was interesting to see... Star Trek always has the admiralty losing the human touch of the Federation. Mm-hmm. That's a constant thing. If you're too too far into it, too into your own career, you lose what's important about the Federation a little bit too. And Corwell has always been a good character, but she lost her way, her, her and Sarek, in, in the bleakness hours of this war. Yeah. But I like that she was persuadable.
1: About. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's a very different story whenever you come up with a plan that you think is the only chance of survival uh-huh. that your uh, your entire culture has, right? Yeah. Um, but then to be able to be moved to sidestep your own best plan, it says really something to one's character. Yeah, she and, Yeah, I really liked that a lot. And I, I had liked her as a character... Just because I thought she was a, a nice, steady beat through yes. the whole entire season. And um, I didn't think that she was particularly charismatic or anything. There was nothing else that really drew me to her other than her just being very steady. Mm-hmm. And so it was really nice that in the end, when she realizes, like, hey, there is at least a chance yeah. for another alternative then we must take that as our alternative
0: reasonably comes to the conclusion that her job is to make tough decisions mm-hmm. and to shield other people from those shitty decisions that she just has to make so other people get the luxury of the federation that's yeah. how she comes to understand her job for a second but I, I do love um, the character that she shows um, in, in being persuadable there
1: one of the things that I really liked about this episode and of the series is how full circle Burnham came. Yes. In, you know, she's faced with mutiny uh, kind of at the opening and at the end of the series. And I like that she chose mutiny in the beginning and she would not be followed. She could not, in you know, coerce people to follow her leadership. Yes. And then I really love that at the very end she was able to... Suggest mutiny and not only at her suggestion did everyone fall in line and believe in her as a leader they stood up and they were mutineers with her yeah. uh, and I really like that I like that it showed that she had grown substantially as a leader Absolutely. which is what I think you really want to see in, um, in Star Trek I think that it's why I enjoy Picard so much more than um, oh my gosh Kirk Kirk, yeah. So, because I think that Kirk is just so hot-headed, and yeah. he doesn't lead, and when he does, it's because of forced empathy and things like that, and uh, it, I just haven't really connected with him, but I really like Picard so much in that, you know, he'll stick to his convictions and really move people to follow him because of his uh, of his principles. Yeah, he's not the main character of, of that, Starfleet.
0: that shows, like, a huge arc and a lot of growth, Mhm too i mean when he first starts you you talk about people only following because they have to or not following that's kind of picard's experience at first where he's just sort of shitty for no reason or or insecure i feel like in his his role and in the people Mm -hmm. around him and 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 um and kind of dark because of that in some ways but then grows to be like such an empathetic person and is able to have family. As someone who has never been able to have family mm-hmm. and is able to finally have that was such a beautiful conclusion to that, and all good things.
1: Yeah, and one of the things that I really love is that you know, I mean, we, we leave him with the understanding that his relationships get better, his leadership, yes. is, everything continues to get better, uh-huh. right? Um, but one of the things that I really like is that we've seen him develop as far as we can as a leader on the enterprise. Yeah and then at the very end of the show you see him approach his entire crew and he's just like oh man i could have been here the whole time yeah there's this, like
0: so much time there's
1: so much time that he it. didn't get to spend yeah. with them but it and i think that that speaks to him as a leader in that it's just like oh man i had this opportunity to truly know these people for so much longer. Yeah. So this I, is always such a bittersweet journey. Yes. I feel like
0: Next Gen is the trek for living your best life because it's all about yeah. growing as a person. Uh, it, you, that, that's the central thing that it's oh, about. For sure. And it, it's about that in a very pretty way.
1: Well, this is, it's so discouraging that it's only 15 episodes in Star Trek Discovery. I cannot wait I know. for the next season. Do you know when it's supposed to come out?
0: It's going to be a little
1: while. What does that mean? Was this? Some Game More of Thrones shit? Oh, my God. Yeah. This is unbelievable. It is insane. It's not good. Unacceptable, some uh, would say.
0: I want them to I want them to believe in the show full board and start yeah. filming things simultaneously and like believe yes. that it's just gonna be multi multi seasons. Just go, 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 go. Yeah. That's what whatever they really want. Oh, uh every like character who is ever related to the show is like having a giant viewing party tonight. I saw some things about that. Um Anthony Anthony Rapp is that his name. The guy who's standards, mm-hmm. Anthony Rapp was showing his uh, medal of freedom that he has, or medal of honor, I guess. And uh, he's he's like so happy and proud to like have that as as a character. So he's, showing, nice. he's got that physical prop with him. Some of the other characters, like Landry, who weren't on the whole whole time, are still like they aren't very big part of it. Oh, and the I never wanted to tell you this because i don't want spoilers. But now that the season's over, I'm gonna tell you a little bit meta information from okay. the scenes because it doesn't no one knows anything sure about right. season two. it hasn't even been written yet all the way so you know, who, who knows but the actress who played Cornwell and the actress that play Laurel are like crazy great friends in real life oh and they have fun. tons and tons and tons of pictures of them behind the scenes they always show up to each other's scenes to like support each other but they're just they're just super close friends
1: that's really great Laurel
0: her name is Mary something I can't remember mm-hmm. her last name I
1: wonder who is dating whom behind the scenes oh I yeah I'd love know. know that I don't know uh, in my mind, it is Ray Romano's son and Michael Burnham.
0: <laughs> uh, you mean Ash? Yeah. I like Ash.
1: I like Ash. I too. like Ash. I, it, took me a, it took me a while to get to that. I, I, I like
0: him. I uh, I do like something I like about this choice is that we, we don't have the television thing think of Destined Romance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Where, you know, they could have. Yeah. She could have asked them to stay and they would have been fine. That would have felt more television. Mm-hmm. But she didn't. And yeah. and and they go their separate ways. That just that just helps it feel a lot more real.
1: I think that you know it was the perfect way for them to to part ways too because when she leaves, or when she leaves, or when they leave each other, Um, she talks about how when she looks in his eyes, she sees Ash, and only Ash. Yes. And I really love that, because there would have been, if they decided to carry on a relationship, there would have been moments of anger and heated discussion, wherein it's very easy to fall into, I'm only seeing the worst version of you I've ever seen. Yeah. You know? And so it would be so easy to fall back into right now I'm seeing Vogue in you. And I think that it was the right choice to be able to leave and see Ash, and that's the last, you know?
0: Yeah, totally. So. You know, he, he's someone who could see the humanity in these sort of mm-hmm. impoverished people in the rogue city and really in, enjoyed engaging with, like really enjoyed it Yeah, as, as people, and he can separate that from they happen to be a part of a government that's committing genocide out there in in this, in this space but these individuals aren't choosing that right now they're they're people and they they have humanity you can see them as, as people of full personhood but he can still see that and have empathy of these people and like them mm-hmm. and then also choose Federation in, in that he, he comes to a yeah. very very thought through a very interesting place I also I mean, like I think the, a very
1: personal thing I think that that had to be his decision and not ash of old's decision or Volks decision but knew ash you know how did he feel about this situation yeah and to be able to weigh both of the alternatives and to come out with his own conclusion and how he felt about that
0: so i think that um different people speaking klingon sounds different but i think ash speaking klingon sounds really pretty i think like he's got such a beautiful thing of that language
1: it's very good uh i wonder if the actor who played ash Learned how to speak all the Klingon, or just his lines.
0: Yeah, they've got um, a language coach, mm-hmm. and she, uh, she, I think she's very involved with the Klingon Language Institute because Klingon is one of those fictional languages that, like, is really mature language. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's been spoken for fifty years now, yeah. and it's 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 very well developed. It's it's, um, but so that that person who is doing it, she spent a tremendous amount of time with Lorel and with Ash and with other people. Um, pioneering this 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 incarnation of the language that's
1: really great it
0: does sound a little bit different than other eras klingon yeah. I, I know there's a lot of little quirks about it that, that are really deep and interesting because there's people who put a lot of thought into that sort of a detail but...
1: so what do you think ash is gonna do now that he is with Lorel?
0: yeah i don't know so um original series mm-hmm. there are very human looking klingons um, okay and we kind of know that they don't look like Klingon-looking Klingons because Worf comes to the original series timeline, and he sees very human-looking Klingons, and people want to talk to him about that. He's like, I don't fucking talk about this about Cyrus. He's like really uncomfortable with that and just oh, really wow. weird about it. So there's kind of a weird thing where very human-looking Klingons coexist with very Klingon-looking Klingons, and by the time we get the Kirk's era, that's all weird. Um, so also, there are spies that are totally capable of looking human appearing human scanning as human that infiltrate the Federation that do nefarious things that's another reality of the world by, by his, his thing so I do think that Ash and his prototype of that technology continues to exist and continues to propagate mm-hmm. and I think that it becomes very widespread used
1: well but what about Ash I don't mean what about what happens he, to him his type
0: but yeah i think that he's, he's captured for his captured first technology at some point and used either with or without his permission in, in some point for that because they need him physically in order to mm. replicate that so i think that's a dark thing i think that he continues to have a relationship with Lorel, where he sees the best in her i don't know that her reign will be forever lived but i, I we do know that she's successful in unifying the klingon empire that we mm-hmm. understand today and that her vision of a one one klingon kind of comes to being she sort of mirrors another Chancellor. I, I bet she's going to be Chancellor, by the way. I bet she's going to be the first Chancellor of the modern Chancellors. But there's a Chancellor, Azabeth, Azabeth I always say her name her Azabeth, who's the Chancellor in Star Trek VI, which is my favorite Star Trek movie. And it's really gorgeous. Who sort of similarly has, like, a view beyond the Klingon Empire of that time. Mm-hmm. And she has to talk them out of a lot of war and conflict in order to get to that time. But she, again, moves them forward, kind of, um, through that vision, and I know that Star Trek Six was one of the big inspirations for writing Discovery. Sort of the ideas that it had of Klingons and of humanity, and of a, a Klingon striving to push their people forward in a, in a in very difficult circumstance, and kind of a woman being in that person that's that, that trying to push that forward. So I know there's a big influence. So I bet you she's got a similar arc to Asbeth, where she kind of works to push push what she a, a vision that she sees, where other people aren't looking at that that grand vision okay and i I bet you he's a part of that
1: well it has been uh an excellent season of star trek discovery with you the only i guess thing that i would hope that we get to do is next season i hope that we're in a in a different house kind of closer to friends and we can do viewing parties oh totally so fun yeah
0: that'll be a lot of fun but
1: yeah so, thanks for uh, exposing me to Star Trek, Sam. What it was your favorite part of really the season? Fun. My favorite part of the season? Yeah. Oh, shit. My favorite part of the season is Saru's speech. Yeah. Um, you know, when all hope seems lost. Um, and, and he kind of really comes into his own as captain, inspires his crew, and, uh, you know, he thinks leads them to death, you know? But, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Or maybe he doesn't think. Well, I think, I think
0: that when he has that conversation with Tilly, mm-hmm. he sees he sees hope and he lets yeah. everyone see that hope that he sees.
1: But he doesn't know that until after his speech. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's my favorite part of the entire season. That's really good. Is Oh so sorry. Is Saru's uh speech. What was your favorite part of the season? Of the
0: whole season, huh?
1: Yes. I like how you asked me that question, and now you're shocked that I'm asking Uh, it back to you. I'm so shocked. Have you ever played volleyball (laughs) or tennis or any game of catch? (laughs) Uh, I've caught the ball. I'm going to throw the same ball to you.
0: I think growth through the eyes of, like, Burnham. Yeah. I threw all the characters. Ash, Laurel, Saru. Cornwell. Cornwell. Look at all these characters. Sarek. Sarek. Sarek, absolutely. Yeah. Look at where they were, where they are, and and uh, this, this this show, kind of like TNG before it, is really championing growth. But unlike TNG, which had to be so episodic because of the medium in which it was yeah. made and re- released, this one can be a whole album statement. And I think they're really drilling down into what's inspirational about this area. It's not that.
1: Yeah. It was very good. I really enjoyed it, and I can't wait for the next season. Yeah. So probably not going to podcast again until next season of star trek probably not yeah gosh yeah jk guys we'll be back to talk about some obnoxious things i'm sure so anything else you want to talk about
0: no my neck hurts i have i have this injury um that i've had for a couple years and i I had to have a a surgery to correct it was a labral tear and there was some other correction they did on there Mm. i don't remember the name of it but, like, it swells up real bad. When it does, I get like these crazy headaches, and then it just really hurts. And I can't sleep because it wakes me up all the time. So, I'm, I'm really in the middle of a really bad spell of that. It's been bad. So, so, having trouble.
1: Please send your good thoughts, good vibes, and if you're a praying person, please pray for sam <laughs> So, uh, with that, live long and prosper, everyone. Live long and prosper. Meow, meow. Oh, we saw Alien last night.
0: Oh my gosh, we saw Alien last night.
1: I- I'm so sorry, I forgot all about that. And oh my god, it's such cat. a
0: wonderful movie. It's very, good. it's so masterful. Yeah,
1: I'm so glad that you watched storytelling it.
0: Storytelling through set design, storytelling mm-hmm. through character design. Yes, gorgeous, gorgeous sets. Mm-hmm. Love H.R. Giger. Yeah, H.R. H. R- R- Giger. Giger.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was wonderful. I really loved it a lot. Sigourney Weaver? Yeah. Oh my really god, good. she's great. I had not seen that movie in probably three or four years. I, I think we, I've seen it since we've been together. I have
0: actually... Okay, I didn't tell you this at this time. I had seen clips of it. Oh, sure. And it I hasn't. had read a couple of things about the production of it in the past, sure. which I thought was really interesting. So one of the things about writing it is they really didn't want... They really wanted to write a female action hero, but they did not want her to be branded as being a... um, They wanted a female action hero that could be written as if it was a male or female action hero mm-hmm. like the, that doesn't defining thing of the, the, the character the defining thing of the character are the choices the very human choices that that person makes mm-hmm. so they very deliberately wrote that script for that character to be either which gender and yes. for it not to have any impact on the story the way the world reacts to her the way that the choices that she makes anything like that Yeah. and so they, they very consciously wrote that in mind I had read about that and thought it was really interesting to see that come to life and I think she really lives up to that promise so well
1: yeah it was very good uh, what was your, what do you think was the most like, oh, they got me in that one? So
0: the face hugger, I love it's like penetrating the dude's throat. It's so <laughs> gross. Oh, and also the, the one moment where I was like the most uneasy is when they walk into the sick bay and they're not expecting this. They walk into the sick bay and this face hugger is not on the face anymore and <laughs> they don't know where it is. I was like, fuck this, fuck everything. <laughs> that. The thing is, somewhere, you don't know where it is, he's lying on the bed, you don't know what's up with him. <laughs> it's just like, I don't, I'm just, I'm going back into the, the stasis pod, and I'm getting the cat, and I'm cuddling kind of the cat, and I'm turning the stasis pod on, yeah, Good can't night. trust
1: that cat. One of the things that I think is really scary about this is that, like, okay, so the face hooker is gone, right? It's yeah. up on the ceiling or whatever, and it falls down on Sigourney Weaver, but, like, the living thing is inside of dude, oh, yeah. right? So how did the exoskeleton of the other thing get up there?
0: So, like to, to my mind, the thing tentacle is like really deep inside of him. Uh huh. Right, in the face, him, goes there. This is just an egg, like it's an egg shell.
1: Yeah, I and get the, it.
0: The chick's inside, growing to another human.
1: hundred percent. Yeah. Oh. So the chick is inside. Uh-huh. How does the egg go from on dude's face to on ceiling? Well the the
0: eggshell is here, the egg yolk is inside him growing.
1: I understand. Because
0: the shell is discarded once it's ready to live on its I own. I
1: understand. How did the egg shell get oh, to the ceiling? I think to it still crawls down? around a little.
0: It's like an octopus tentacle when they like lose them during reproduction sometimes. Are
1: we sure about this? Yeah, they'll okay. still
0: slither around a little bit. Like they're so octopusy. So to me it's like an octopus tentacle can live outside the octopus for a little while and will do slithery tentacle things. I think it's it's an octopus tentacle so it's. but then I don't think that that holds out.
1: true for the rest of this the, the movie because you pick up the skin and it's like fucking snake skin well we, no, no every time it grows it gro- it leaves its dead yeah, shell yeah but okay the
0: the egg is shell is is more than the skin that it's shedding are you sure yes how do you know because it's the fucking egg that like grows it it's it, you know it's a much more mature thing than just a discarding a layer of skin uh,
1: I think I I disagree with you there do you and I think that it was a it was a poor choice to like get that gotcha moment of it. You oh, know. okay. Falling down I'm on her That was
0: my scariest moment. In the well, movie. I'm happy
1: for you to have that moment. I'm not upset for you. Uh-huh. I just think...
0: Oh, I'm a lifelong StarCraft fan, by the way. Like, huge, like, oh my God. Okay. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Yeah, so and this
1: movie literally could not have done any wrong for you. Well, because I've been in this
0: <laughs> milieu and aesthetic my yeah. whole, like, childhood, right? And the Zerg are alien from Alien. That's what and who they are. For sure. <laughs> to, like, sneakily acquiring biomass to grow everything. Every bit of it. And the Protoss are the dead race. The beginning and then the Terrans of the, the humans.
1: All right. Well, uh thanks so much for listening to the ramblings of the two cats from podcast. Okay. Bye. Shoulders. Bye. Yeah. Bye.